space, the final frontier. Not so much the neutral zone podcast, a Star Trek podcast by ladies where we talk about Star Trek loudly and at great length. I'm one of your hosts, Corrine, and I'm joined here with my fellow co hosts, Kim. Hi. And Ari. Hello. And we are here to talk about the fifth episode, confusingly enough for Ari, the sixth episode of this podcast. It's but never going to make sense. No, it won't. The fifth episode of Star Trek The Enemy Within or A Tale of Two Kirks. <laughs> So, heads up, everyone. I love this episode! So much? So much! This is one of my favorite original series episodes of all time. Wow. And not because it's good Kirk and evil Kirk, and that there is so much scenery chewed, I'm surprised they had it left over for (laughs) two and a half seasons afterwards. But because it deals with some of my favorite favorite themes in original Star Trek. What is a captain and the issue of the public versus the private life in Starfleet? Ooh, very Mm. interesting. Yeah, so Kim, I'm going to ask you because I know how much you A, hate Kirk, and B, hate Kirk. (laughs) And not is there one Kirk, there are two two Kirks. Kirks. Yes. Um, how did I like this episode? I liked it okay. It wasn't the worst episode ever. It had a lot of stuff that I was dying. I was laughing so hard because it was amazing, <laughs> amazing. But at the same time, there was also some really horrifying stuff that I had completely Ooh, forgotten yeah. about. Like, we'll, we'll have a trigger warning before you start talking about that bit. Everything that has to do with Rand, I had completely forgotten about. And I was just like, ooh, I forgot this was in here. And it was, yikes. Well, I'm reading her memoir, I guess it is. I'm hearing her talk about this episode. This was shortly after she experienced a sexual assault at the hands of one of the producers of the show. And yeah. so it is heavy. Yeah, that's and that's what I was thinking about. Because we talked about this, I think, a few episodes ago. That she was fired, basically, yeah. after she was assaulted. She was sexually harassed off the show, basically. And then to see this was awful. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of quotes in memory alpha about her. She was furious, like with a couple, not only with that scene, um, but with the way that everybody treated that scene. Oh God, yeah, the, everybody's reaction to that was just terrible. It's very much a product of its time. Like, mm-hmm. oh, honey, you should just be glad that someone wants you. Yeah, bigger so, guns. Yeah, so that's where I come from on this episode. On the one hand. You have two Kirks. Mm. One of them is evil. (laughs) I'm the captain! I'm the captain! And then on the other hand, you have the whole Janice Rand side, and that was terrible. So, uh, I'm in the middle on this episode. (laughs) And Ari? I think apart from the rather graphic attempted sexual assault, this is quite a solid episode. (laughs) Uh, I have I, I neither hate it nor adore it, but I like it except for that bit, which I think it really could have done without. I agree. It was very weird as 
I think they needed something to say, like, he's not your regular Kirk. He's mm-hmm. definitely evil Kirk. Because he didn't have terrible a people aren't He didn't rapists. have a goatee. Yeah, no. he needed a goatee. But it's not Disagree. Kirk- <laughs> it's not Kirk that gets the goatee, though. It's Spock. I'm glad Kim said that, because I was going to. Whatever. Not important. Anyways, so we open on a planet that has a name. I think it's Alpha 177. It's something. It's Alpha something, yeah. Alpha something, 177. I have it written down. Mm-hmm. But... I suppose, like, that there is infinite variety within the universe and anything is possible, but it seems like they only land on planets that have rocks that are made out of painted styrofoam. Yes. I think it's a recurring theme across many planets in the farther reaches of the galaxy. Styrofoam, Maybe this is just something that happens in class Styrofoam is a naturally occurring substance. <laughs> it comes in multiple colors. And, and it grows into rocks. Come on, Kareem. Aliens. Aliens. Well, we, eventually we do have a silicon-based rock life form. That's true. Again, one of my favorite episodes. I like that one a lot. The rock is made out of silicon. How can we deal with it? Anyways, that's a beautiful logic puzzle episode, and I love it. But that they learn that this planet... No, 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 wait. Wait, drop everything. Everyone just put whatever you're reading right down. We come upon the greatest alien of all time. <gasps> oh, it was so great. In all of sci-fi. Which is a cocker spaniel uh-huh. with a rat's tail. Uh-huh. And I want to say a unicorn horn. It's a unicorn yeah. horn. They yeah. put the puppy in a suit. They put the puppy yeah. in a suit. Because it was extra shaggy, too. Yeah. That was... It had antenna also. That was a very good dog. Yes. Because that dog just sat there the entire episode being carried around by various people in the most undignified costume I've ever created. Most well-tempered dog in the history of Hollywood. So true. Deep question. What was the point of that? Aliens. Well, as an example, yeah, but no, no, no. Aliens as, why are they holding it? Why is it on the planet with them? I assume that it was native to the planet. And yeah, but why are they taking it back with them? As a sample? I don't know. But they, well, plot Surely reasons. the prime directive They needed decree. to beam something up other than a person to prove what was happening to the transporter. My only logic, the only thing I'm going to accept is that Sulu found it on that planet and he went, mine now, it's a puppy. And he's that taking sounds it very home. Sulu. Classic Sulu. But they don't give it a name. They don't talk about what kind of alien. They just call it the creature. It doesn't get like an, oh, it's a Quetzalcoatl. It's just no explanation given whatsoever. Speaking of dogs in costume, the sounds you will hear in the background today are Pico, our house dog, uh, wanting attention. He's just like, oh, you're talking about dogs? I'm coming over. Oh, you're sitting at a table, not looking directly at me? Oh, well, I have to fix that. Oh, she also just unplugged the computer. Yeah, Pico, could you? Good dog. Anyways, so apparently this planet at night goes down to 120 degrees. A gazillion degrees. Okay, but what is that in Celsius? Uh, I don't know. Can somebody Google it? We did look it up. It was like 20-something. No, when when they were getting all freezy and, oh, it's so cold. It's like minus 20. What was <laughs> minus 20? That's not even as cold as Edmonton. What, was, what was the actual stated? 120 below zero. But they didn't actually say if it was... Set... Was it Fahrenheit? It's Fahrenheit. Oh, okay. I assume it's Fahrenheit because America. But uh, let's it's see. space. 49 it's... degrees Celsius. Oh, wimps. Well, it's um, definitely cold enough to kill cold you. Enough. It's nippy, but just it like will definitely a kill you. walk. She's from Alberta, so we're going to disregard that. But, so uh, they're chilling and talking about how awful this planet is and how they should definitely make sure not to get trapped on it at night when someone on the production crew screams, NOISE! And oh, rocks yeah. fall. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but 
I want to note something here. If you're sending people down to a terrible desert planet that goes to, uh, what, 50 degrees below zero at night, wouldn't you take survival gear? Just in case your extremely dodgy matter transport device, which at this point in the storyline in Star Trek is the only way to get from the ship to the planet. Yeah, that kept bugging me. I was like, when do shuttlecrafts get invented? Because, like, I mean, shuttlecrafts, it's not like they were brand new idea about 10 or 15 episodes after this. transport like transporters were the new idea shuttlecraft yeah. was something like boats have life rafts mm-hmm. like i don't know it seems bizarre to me that that was not an option other option that mm-hmm. ari and i were discussing while i was watching it why didn't they just land the ship on the planet yeah. Maybe it's not like Voyager and doesn't have landing struts because just the, like hover and throw down a The only ladder. ship that I think we see land on a planet though is Voyager. Defiant crashes, but I So think does the Enterprise D. No, the Enterprise E. D. Is it the D? Did Deanna they crash crashes, it? Deanna crashes the D at the end of uh, right. generation. I know. Nice landing. Yeah, nice landing. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, but but the only one that we actually see land is Voyager. Yeah, but so it's entirely possible it doesn't land. Malarkey, why didn't they just hover? And throw, as Sulu says, throw down a rope. <laughs> <laughs> Deep question. So anyways, rocks fall. Not everyone dies, but poor Fisher is covered in turmeric. Yeah. 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 Bizarre yellow That's powder. He'll, he's also cut his hand. Oh, yeah. Rather dramatically. Yeah. Um. So he, the... Kirk's actually on the surface at this point because he's the one the that captain tells the captain is yeah. on this planet. Um, so it's Kirk and Fisher and the rest of the away team. And Kirk looks at his hands and says, "You should go get that checked out. You should go back to the ship." So Fisher beams back up, and while they're trying to beam him back up, there's a problem. <laughs> the transporter itself is making very unhappy sounds, and they have trouble getting him to materialize. But they do, which is good because the no wait, is okay, very back it up. That doesn't make any sense anymore. Why not? But he was. Covered in turmeric. Yes. Like, covered. How come yes. he didn't split into good and Because evil? his beaming up is what breaks the transporter. Yeah. Or whatever they have to do to get him to He, he gets it there and then the transporter is broken. Yeah. After, after It's like appears. when you make toast and the toast pops up and then it won't go back down again. Yeah. No, you burn your first piece of toast and then all the other toast tastes like burnt. Not always. You just can't taste it. You anyway. Have an unrefined palate. Anyways, so the important part to note about this is that Scotty comes over with a hairdryer. And a Pringles thing on top of that hairdryer. And says, ooh, go get yourself decontaminated. After the guy has smeared himself all, all over, over these the two place. transporter <laughs> Although, regarding the hairdryer. That was a hair terrible dryer, accident. It was Sorry, that was Irish. Yeah. <laughs> was it? Yes! No! So, laddie! Yes. Decontaminate no. your uniform, laddie! That was Irish. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. I was at the country. Shut up. <laughs> Um, the hairdryer thing is actually modeled on a real radiation detector. It really? Called, it was called the Cutie Pie. That wasn't its proper name, but that was its, like, common name. An actual 1960s real facts radiation detector. Wow. Everything looks sillier in the 1960s. I do not argue that with you. My problem with this is, is that just the episode previous to this one, they had an evil disease in the Nakey time, which almost killed everyone because people did not decontaminate it before they, like, shoved themselves up into people's faces. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, that's one of the problems with this original series is that they have the same thing happen episode after episode after episode because nobody is allowed to remember what happened the week before. 
they, space amnesia. Yes, they go to sleep and then they wake up and forget what happened in the last episode. And it gets irritating, and especially when you have two episodes like this back to back where the same thing essentially happens. And they seems like they've learned nothing. It makes the characters look dumb, to be honest. I mean, we're five episodes in, and essentially we've recycled the same two concepts. Yeah. We've got evil space psychic or space disease. This is definitely the downside of episodic storytelling, and it was really bad in this era. Like, it wasn't a Star Trek. A lot of shows did it this way, which is, I tend to find, really frustrating in older television. I always wanted to, the next generation especially, and I know DS9 does it, but the next generation to tell a really long story. And I don't think they ever well, did. They have, and they, they did a little bit of retconning with people yeah. as well. And they've got a handful of arcs that sort of crop up again every dozen or so episodes. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't really... I mean, it's it's also physically a, a function of a show that takes place on a spaceship that moves around. But they're a spaceship within, with, within a larger world a world that has rules a world that has different alien species that are constantly doing their own things like why not tell a longer story i think if i'm mistaken because i haven't seen all of ds9 ds9 is the only show that does that ds9 has a strong underlying ds9 uh voyager well voyager does it a bit where they have like i mean they have the whole we're trying to get home we're trying to get home and the pine cone heads yeah and they have a few longer game things where they have something that will come up in one season and be a factor later in seasons and they have things that continue through like at some point they get they have to augment the ship with Borg technology, and then for the next three seasons, whenever you see the ship, it's glowing green on the outside. Often. Uh, I was also going to say, Enterprise does this in their last season as well, is they do mini arcs where they have like four or six episode mm-hmm. story arcs where all these episodes are maybe individual things happening in them, but the overall story arc sort of mm-hmm. follows through on a plot, and you follow through with one story and one villain, etc., etc. And, sorry again, Enterprise did season three as a long story arc where they have, um, they're going to fight the Zindi. So they start off with, there's an attack on Earth, and then they go off to find the Zindi, and then they spend time searching for them, and then there's the fighting. So, And then there's individual stories within that, and that sort of, they come out of the bigger plot, so you have, like, conflicts, and they get, like, um, Marines join the crew and you get all the Starfleet Marine conflict that kind of stuff so that kind of stuff happens but that's an Enterprise and Enterprise was in that bizarre zone where episodic television that wasn't procedurals was going out of style and serialized television was coming in and it's sort of in that weird zone and there's a few shows that are like that but that is my, my presentation on arcs in Star Trek. I would say that by and large I mean uh, Next Gen is where it starts to happen. That by and large, Star Trek doesn't do like character-based story arcs. I mean, they do character development from Next Gen onward that is pretty easily tracked. But by and large, instead of having character-driven story arcs, they have the characters placed within a larger sort of social, socioeconomic, military, space geography context, which is itself developing whether we're looking at it or not. So we occasionally get like, oh, well, this is what's happening in the Klingon Empire. This is what ridiculous thing happened in the Federation Council this week. Well, yeah, yeah, but Worf gets his character-driven... Yeah, Worf gets yeah. Their, the character... Well, okay, well, to try and illustrate what Ari is talking about, think about, if you think about the Maquis as... Ugh, I know, yes, yes, yeah. yes, we'll get to you guys' hatred for the Maquis. But think as a story element or as like an arc or a function of storytelling or whatever, you start off with them and you learn about them, that mm. the organization exists, you mm-hmm. see what they're about, you see a crew member leave to join the Maquis, and that's when Verlaren defects, like basically... Yeah, 
jitters out of Starfleet. You also have Deep Space Nine where the Maquis are cropping up and you find, I'm not going to spoil, I don't want to spoil this part for you because this is amazing, but you, you get a, a Starfleet, another Starfleet trader store. <gasps> yeah, I know. It's, it's shocking. But you also have stuff that crops up um, sort of throughout about, um, like, there's somebody who's in a relationship with one of the main characters who I think does some stuff for the Maquis and ends up going to prison for that kind of yeah. stuff. And So it's a thing that crops up. And then you go over to Voyager and you have half the crew is now composed of a Maquis, a Maquis crew. This was a ship of these freedom fighters. And they, again, we'll get into this discussion later. They don't develop them enough and blah, blah, blah. Mm. But that's that's sort of what Ari is talking about when you see the elements of the larger universe yeah, it's more in like, the later series. But yeah. not really... That doesn't happen in original series at all. No. The original series was very mired in its time. Like the formats of the yeah. time. And I, th- I would say that it's mostly that Star Trek, at least from Next Gen Armor, does a really good job of giving you a very well fleshed out world Mm. but individual characters don't tend to overwhelmingly influence larger events except for a few notable exceptions like well Picard Picard. and uh well or should I say Locutus but with very few exceptions characters don't change socioeconomic whatever tides but they do sometimes change smaller stories within the greater universe Why does the lack of character development in the original series grate more than the next generation? Oh, that's a good question. Um, maybe because the maybe because the series is so iconic. Because you yeah. you know what's going on, you know who these people are, and you go in expecting to feel fulfilled mm. and have that whole idea of what the show and what these people are grounded, and it doesn't happen. I think it's, it's just... kind of like someone you meet as an adult who you love very dearly and you're the best of friends and you could never imagine your life without them but then if you went back in time and met them as a teenager you would want to kill them (laughs) they're not done they're raw around the edges they don't know anything they have some really hateful opinions and you cannot stand the sight of them but as an adult you really like them and that's what next gen and onward are they're meeting someone as an adult i think it also ties back into what kind of leader and what kind of management so i can't believe i'm saying this management style <laughs> um, that Kirk and Picard have. You need have. to get out your yeah. rubric. Well, I know. So here's the deal, and this is what this episode about, is what a captain is. Mm-hmm. Kirk is the captain, and there are capital letters in both of those. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas Picard is the captain, mm-hmm. whereas he consults every member of his team, he makes sure he has all the input for them, and it's more of an organic group decision than a dictatorship. Yes. Well, I also feel that in the way, uh, like, Kirk's captaincy is presented in this mm. episode especially, Picard is more replaceable than Kirk was. Oh, yeah. Everybody, mm. like, in this yeah. episode you have people going, are you stepping down? Do you want me to make the decision? Whereas in Enter, or Next Generation, Beverly relieves him of duty. Riker yeah. makes decisions. Riker actually has the power to order Picard around in yep. very extreme mm-hmm. circumstances. Yep. Whereas you don't see that with well, Kirk think, at I all. I think it's, it's, it's the, the presence of, or lack of, an institution, which doesn't really, I mean, it must be there in original Trek, but the institutionalization of Starfleet, of the Federation, is not as well established in in original Treks. You, everything, everything feels very disconnected. I think it has to do more... They're on the frontier, rather than exploring the final frontier. Yeah. I... And exploration is also presented very differently after yes. original series. I think it also has to do from which tradition they're drawing from. So original yeah. Star Trek is drawing from that naval boy adventure. Heroic. Heroic adventure. So if you think of something, shut your face. Horatio Hornblower or something like that. That the captain is this paragon of everything that a man should be. 
And if he is anything less than that, if he's anything less than perfectly fair and perfectly just and always putting himself out there first before his An men. impeccable example. It's like um, the mandate of heaven. <laughs> There's Wow. <laughs> Finally, my Chinese history class is coming <laughs> in handy. That once they, that they're given this mandate of perfection, but if they make a bad decision or if, you know, the crops fail because they make a shitty decision of what to plant this year, then they have lost the mandate of heaven and can be replaced by someone else who can get it. Okay. Whereas, Someone should tell Stephen Harper about this. Well, which is what I'm saying. So whereas Starfleet operates in the next generation almost like a, like a prime minister. Yeah. Like... If there need be, he's got his cabinet of people that at any point, if he were incapacitated, someone could step up Yeah, who was needed in that situation. Well, and I think that's a great example, especially when you consider, like, the Canadian system and comparing the captain to a prime minister, is a prime mm. minister is essentially a fancy MP. You can kick them yeah. out, and there will be They're five more who, are, who can take the place. It is yeah. literally a matter of saying, uh, you. Yeah, you are Whereas, first among the it's ministers. It's not a cult yeah, exactly. personality. Yeah. No. Whereas, like, again, if we were to draw that parallel, so the next generation is Canada, and the original (laughs) series is America. Early America, too. Yeah. Very, very... I don't know if there's a Manifest Destiny stuff going on there, but there's definitely a frontier I think there's definitely Manifest Destiny, whereas we're going to go exploration planets. Exploration in in original series is much more about... um, Settlement and and almost conquest, well, although they steer very carefully clear of that word. It's the wagon train to the stars yeah. was Roddenberry's original kind yeah. of vision, which now makes us really uncomfortable. Even by the eighties, it was like we we know what the word, word imperialism means now. Um, maybe we should be a little more careful about that. I, but I, I don't know. I'm gonna have when we go through our I think next it, episode. I think it's it something just, to keep in it mind. It raises the stakes of everything. That attitude raises the stakes of everything, which makes Kirk's job much scarier and more tenuous and based on, you know, the, the impeccable perfect example being maintained mm-hmm. at all times. But I think because, at least in this episode, is that it's there's no outside forces. None. Mm-hmm. It is just no. the ship. And he has to control the ship. Yeah. He yeah. is the captain of the ship. He's yeah. not Starfleet. He is captain. Yeah. yeah. In the same way that old, like, sea captains could execute they were, members of they the They were crew. life or Death. Everything's life yeah. or death, yeah. And to betray a captain or to have a captain incapable of doing their job, like that was calamity. That essentially meant death. If yeah. you're in the middle of the Pacific and your captain, I don't know, doesn't know how to navigate, yeah. you're boned. There's yeah. nothing you could do. For someone to try and usurp that, to step into the captain's role, that would be treason and they could be killed. But by the time we get around to next gen, everything is a little bit more settled, a little bit more like It's a little bit more established. It's, yeah. it's very institutional. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, where were we? Are we we're, five, okay, so five minutes into the episode? Five minutes into the episode. Not even. So then they try beaming Kirk up. And... Well, actually, wait. So, uh, covered in yellow powder, dude, Fisher? Fisher. Yeah. Beams up. The transporter's acting weird. The transporter is acting oh, audibly, visibly weird. There's flashing lights. I swear to God, I was saying, no, no! You should not do this. I want you to have a look. I need, I need to sit down. And... Scotty sort of walks over and sort of like pokes it, kicks it. Jesus. We'll check it over later. Just beam up the captain. The that. captain. The most. Arguably. Captain. In this text. Yes. The most important person yeah. on the ship. It'll be fine. We'll check it over later. I love oh. that. It was like Scotty literally went, uh, it's fine. Then yeah. it'll be alright. So they uh, do beam up Kirk, and uh, of oh. course the transporter acts really weird. 
And when he finally does materialize, he's all sweaty and swaying on his feet. And uh, I said he's trippy like a rom-com heroine. <laughs> <laughs> he practically swoons. And he is swooning so hard that Scotty says, I'm just going to take you to sickbay because you look terrible. And Kirk says, don't leave the transport room unattended. I would love to know what precipitated that policy. I think that's actually a really strong it's policy. It's a very solid policy. Because you should definitely have two people there because sometimes shit just beams up by itself. Yeah. Like evil eyeliner Kirk who mm. appears about three seconds after they leave mm. the room. Yes. Okay, so quick note about the costumes here. I don't know if you guys noticed it, but when Kirk beamed up, he was wearing still wearing his yellow. Mm. Yeah. He had no insignia on his shirt. <gasps> and then when evil Kirk beamed up, he also had no insignia on his shirt. But... As soon as Kirk gets back from regular Kirk gets back from sick bay, he's in his green wraparound with the yellow. Yeah. Regular Kirk, without changing, has got his insignia <gasps> back on his shirt. Because he's the captain! It was yeah. just basically they put him in the same shirt so he could film the same thing with no inconsistencies, and yeah. then they fucked it up. It was amazing. Well, yeah, they actually made the wraparound shirt, was actually made for this episode, because we see it in an earlier broadcast episode, but because they were, you know, yeah, yeah. broadcast out of order. But uh, they actually made it for this episode so that we could visually differentiate good Kirk from evil Kirk. I think the good amount of... Like soft wraparound shirts <laughs> and sensitivity and evil Kirk has sweaty and he is so sweaty. Like <laughs> yeah. it would be easy to pick him out of a crowd. Just you look at the guy so. who's sweating profusely. Like what the hell is his name on Doctor Horrible? Moist. moist. Yeah, moist. Well, He's practically moist. This is like okay. So we're what five episodes? Five in? episodes in. Yeah. Like in every single episode to denote that something is wrong here. Sweat. They just have people sweating. <sighs> I guess I mean it's a great visual cue, but yeah. I'm like, these people have to do I mean, tons of laundry. <laughs> To, to go wildly Space off the edge here for a second, if you think about it, a, a starship is a really, really strictly climate-controlled environment. And if you are sweating, you are exerting yourself beyond the ability of the environment to control your body temperature, which means you're either exercising deliberately or something is fucking wrong. Maybe he has menopause. I suppose that is also possible. There is my theory. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, God. Acting, acting, music, music, eyeballs, eyeballs, theme song. Quick note here on the captain's log, because I know I've commented on it in the past. This captain's log, the first one that we got after the credits, was in past tense. Mm -hmm. Who is narrating this? Every every other captain's log, including the one Spock does, is in present tense. Yes. I know. Who is, that is my note, who is narrating this? This is like Kirk wrote a diary Afterwards, yeah. and then included all the captain's logs that they made during. This yeah. is oh my god! It was driving me up. Doesn't make wall. any sense. Later, okay. later, Spock on. is like, "Oh, wait a minute, everybody, everybody, sit yourselves down." Dear diary, this is Spock speaking. Later on in Next Gen, they introduce the supplementary log, which, which is Dear Diary, which is basically so the the captain's log, the first officer's log, whatever, are more formalized and structured, whereas the supplementary log are things like bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. And I think with the idea, yes, in a minute, with the idea that they go back later, look over the supplementary logs, and formalize them with more detail for the official record. Okay. Okay, but we know from the episode with Charlie X that there is something recording, like the red box, right? Yeah. That's recording everything that goes on. Yeah. On the bridge. So what's the point of the captain's log? Because it's easier to just read a text bullet point thing. Well, who's going to pull through that? 
I imagine they well, wouldn't it's unless probably, something. I mean, bad think happens. of it as the equivalent. But they've of, already got the red box, so why do they need it? Think well, of it, I guess, of the equivalent of like CCTV. So you have the recording going on and on. But who the hell is going to sit there other than the security guard and watch the whole thing? So you need the bullet point report when something shit. Yeah, goes, in real world, happens. security guards do, do make reports after every shift. They make if if there are incidents, they make reports, even if it's just like twelve p.m. to three p.m. Nothing happened. Yeah. Anyways, so the transporter tech whom I do not think we get a name for. No, but uh, he's black guy with a speaking part, so that's cool. He's a cutie pie. He is. Yeah, so he, I'm going to differentiate them by calling them Feral Kirk and Peril Kirk. Ari, your your designations here? I ended up just writing, I started out writing good exclamation point Kirk and evil exclamation point Kirk, but eventually it degenerated down to gk and the ek because i had to write it so many times that's true okay. i just went with good kirk and evil kirk mm, mm, because mm. evil kirk was pretty evil mm. he was not a good person he so... was evil right away he well, beams up because and all he's of a sudden he's evil. skulking yeah. around and hiding behind columns and shadows appear from <laughs> yeah oh i just really love that the first thing you see is he's there and you just he like whips around and you get like extreme villain close up and he's like an eyeliner smirking an eyeliner because eyeliner is how you tell someone it was just like there was absolutely no doubt this guy's bad news yeah did he hiss did he at some point i think he's like heavy stung and growl i think he just got the impression of hissing i don't know if there was actual that may have been at the extreme close-ups at the end where you've got him in like the thickest eyeliner of all time and like the scratches and he's Mm. sweat oh my god Okay, so uh, the poor tech <laughs> comes back and Kirk leaves. And the tech thinks to himself because it crosses his face. Yeah. Gee, isn't he acting weird? Yeah. Reports this to zero people. Zero people. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that happened a few times in this episode. People are just like, oh, it's the captain. He's weird. Okay. I mean, he is pretty weird, but um, not that weird. He's growling. We go and back. hunched over like Ebenezer Scrooge. It is pretty odd. Oh, so we go back to Good Kirk, who is back in his quarters. Looks like he's just gone out of the shower. That was for you, Kareem. Thank you. Um, and oh, or you know, he walks into his quarters, and it and Rand is there. Um, but it looks like there's a sort of an office in the outer room of his quarters because she's like there finishing finishing up paperwork or something. Yeah, it's the ship's manifest that she gives him, and then yeah. he like lays himself down on some. Yeah. Amazing being split in half sheets. is exhausting. Amazing. She did. Everyone see his sheets. I'm pretty They're sure that's sparkly. the same fabric that they used. For the biohazard. biohazard. Except gray. No way, I missed it. I absolutely believe it. It's still sparkly weird stuff all the way through next gen at the very least. It's like, that doesn't look very comfortable. It's very sparkly. Spectacular, like, gray, like, pearlescent, like, silky looking sheets on the Enterprise. They're amazing. Amazing. Wouldn't Mm -hmm. you just, like, slip right off of them? Like, I'm sure I'm not the only person who, like, jumps into bed. No. Apparently it's just me and Anna Green Gables. <laughs> but uh we go back Feral to Kirk. Feral Kirk. Kirk crashes into the Sick Bay. Sick Bay. Sorry and brandy. And McCoy is like stroking Fisher with what I oh, think oh. was an exacto knife no, no, taped no. to a lighter. This is the first <laughs> appearance of a dermal regenerator. Because it, he's got a sort of a gun thing and it's making a humming it's sound. It's an exacto knife. Taped to a lighter. Well, whatever. It's a dermal regenerator, and I was really excited by that. <laughs> um, but he's bas- he's fixed Fisher's hand. It looked more dangerous than helpful. He's fixed Fisher's hand, and Fisher's there when Kirk crashes in and demands. Sorry, and Brandy. And Bones just sort of goes, "Uh huh. You can go, Fisher." Also, question: 
why does McCoy keep a giant tub of sorry and brandy in his office? Medicinal purposes. Sure. Why not? I, I'm, he's also probably a drunk. I don't remember. Well, he kind of is a little bit. <laughs> it's implied anyway. Oh, this is a much deeper episode than I thought it was. <laughs> anyway, uh, Feral Kirk. My other question, to... though, actually, what? is is this the only booze on the ship? You're telling me Kirk, I think doesn't, so. Kirk doesn't keep any in his quarters? Because no, I know Scotty because does. Because evil Kirk would have went and got it. That's what baffles me. It's like, surely there's other booze on this ship. Kirk... Maybe this was the closest booze the transporter Oh, maybe. Room. Maybe. Kirk drinks space coffee. Yes. You do not see him drinking booze while on duty because he's the perfect captain. That is true. But no, what is important is that Feral Kirk starts kneading the wall. I, I describe this as wheeling drunkenly through the corridors. <laughs> No, no, no. He does a manly clasp for Brandy and then does the whole walk of awesomeness. <laughs> Drinking, chugging, ladies. Yeah. I love Real everything classy. about that sequence except for the fact that Shakira is not in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Ari could edit that for us and just like uh, mm. put together a clip that scene with some Shakira. Hips don't lie. Mm. Ari, Ari, Ari. I'll think about Ari. it. Ari. User technology. And then he swaggers his way into Ugh. Rand's quarters, where she does awful art. Mm. Awful art. Awful it's future art. It's and then we terrible. cut away briefly to good Kirk again. Shirtless! This is where he's just coming shirtless, shirtless, shirtless. No, 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 no! Yeah. And Spock has come to check on him because Bones, you know, calmed him and went, uh, Jim's acting really weird. He went to have the talk with him yeah. about his drinking problem. <laughs> intervention, intervention, <laughs> intervention. And Kirk's just like, what are you talking about? Because he, of course, has no idea. He's been in his quarters the whole time. Okay. Important. I want everyone to be paying attention. His nipples are covered in makeup. Yeah. Are they? I did not. I that. didn't even notice. I was looking for them. Like, where did they go? Yeah. Oh my god! Weird. I was mostly like watching how Kirk was like really busy pulling off his towel so shirt Spock could get a check on his chest more efficiently. <laughs> okay, so far the most homoerotic episode we've seen. Eh. No, there's stuff later, guys. There's, way... there's stuff later. I'm going to talk about like the basis for my Kirk Spock. Thing. Yeah. No, there was. Yeah. Um. There. There was. This. I mean, this was. This had mostly. Kirk being like, check out my chest, but there's there's better stuff later. Yeah. Oh god. There Although really there is. were a few lines in this that I know that I have one hundred percent seen edited into a Kirk Spock fan video at some point that was like, I need him in me. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to live. Um, and here's uh, we get to see the little the poor little unicorn dog again. Oh unicorn because dog. Because they uh, beam him up because they call Spock and the captain because they've beamed up the specimen of the unicorn dog. And uh, there are now two of them. And I think Sulu's still holding the nice one. Yes. And the not nice one is oh, in a cage. Oh, no, Sulu wasn't there. Sulu was on oh, planet. Right, right. Scotty. Scotty. Scotty is holding the nice yeah. one. one is... Everyone just got to puppy cuddle this whole episode. One is gentle. The other is fierce and barky. Yes. So they put it in a box. <laughs> yes. And then someone says... If this should happen to a man, guess who's standing right Ellipse. next to them? Like, yeah, like guys, think about this for two seconds well, and try and reach the logical conclusion. How come Fisher isn't sliced in half. Who was the and, last and wait, person to beam onto the ship? The last human being. Like, hmm. this is the first thing I would do. I'd go through the transporter log and I'd be like, okay, let's go backwards. Unicorn dog, Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk, how you feeling? Wait, did you at any point see me wearing a ton of eye makeup and acting really out of character? 
Shit, I would have an evil version of me. The amount of time it takes them to actually, like, stay aloud. Oh, there are two Kirks. I'm embarrassed for them. So embarrassed for them. they don't even, like, put two and two together. Kirk, Spock is like, the only logical explanation is, is that you have been split in two. Imposter. He doesn't even say that you split in two. He says there's an imposter. It's like, guys, you're supposed to be scientists. get our act together. So the next part is we get to Feral Kirk, and it's the... know what to call it with Rand the disturbing assault scene the disturbing assault scene which frankly I do not particularly want to talk about no, too much nor do I uh, it happens um, uh, and she gets to the door and alerts Mr. Spock the one thing that we have to know and he runs away. That, that's, important, that's important and is a plot point is that she is fighting back against him and she scratches a bunch of giant gashes into his yes, face. Yes, that is the plot yeah. point that we yeah. actually need to care about. Yeah, we need, and that, that's important. And like, this was, I don't know, this was just, I had I had completely forgotten that this was in this here. Whole, this whole was, subplot is really uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, deeply uncomfortable. It is really awful because afterwards... It's unnecessary. So essentially... She sees Fisher in the hallway and says, go get Mr. Spock, which I would have said, get in here and punch this asshole in the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then evil Kirk starts licking his own blood. Oh, well, he, that was... he punches out Fisher and runs away. Yeah. Yeah. He, and then he, we he, see no, him. No, he doesn't yeah. punch him. He jumps on him. Yeah. <laughs> like a game of leapfrog. At which point, I think almost more disturbing to me than the assault is the part where she has to sit oh, yeah. down I wrote and explain this. herself as she's sitting in a semicircle is... of dudes who are standing over yeah. her including Spock and McCoy and Kirk, Kirk whom she is convinced just assaulted her yeah and have Kirk yelling at her I didn't assault you did do you see scratches on my face that was awful mm-hmm. awful mm-hmm. I mean okay mm-hmm. to be fair he's not really yelling he's just really upset but like the whole setup is the just whole setup really is awful. It's like she's sitting in a chair and Spock and McCoy and Kirk are standing over her in a semicircle. Yeah. Like, is this really the best way to put an assault victim at ease, boys? Yeah, and I think I think the most disturbing part for me is her response was, "Well, he's the captain. I didn't know what I was supposed to do." I didn't to want do. to get you in trouble. Oh, I wouldn't have even said anything. Oh my god! Poor, poor round. Yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, it's just all capped off with how the actress was treated on the show. And this is just... Yeah. That's an overriding awful, attitude of... Awful segment. Yeah. And it's just... Oh, Like, the, the whole bent of this scene is that the most important thing here is proving Kirk innocent, not... Not anything having to do with her experience. Yeah. It is, it is very strange. And finally, Fisher comes in and says, it's true. And they're like, oh, well, shit. Oh, well, oh, if no, the guy yeah. says if, so. Yeah, that's the, like, that was true. the other part that really bothered me. Is, is the, oh, well, if a man said it was true, it yeah. must be. Like, F you, 1960s. Yeah. yeah actually, basically. let's just yeah. let's just go with that. That was awful. Yeah. Um, but it basically, the, the, the takeaway from this, uh, plot-wise, is that they establish, oh, but she scratched his face. Mm-hmm. And Good Kirk doesn't have scratches on his face. Um, so... Although Evil Kirk really knows how to use foundation. Yeah. Holy crap. His eyeliner game is very strong. It's Ooh, true. So strong. Uh, but so Janice impressed. is told she can go, and she just gets the fuck out of there, and I would too. Um, I would Spock hope goes says, straight to HR on this ship, which we know there is none! <laughs> and Spock uh, turns to the others and says, there's only one explanation. <laughs> 
Really? There are a lot of explanations. There are, I mean, we've, we've seen a dermal regenerator already in this episode. He could have shaved the scratches. You mean the knife? I'm calling it the dermal regenerator for, for plot-serving purposes. But want. he could have healed the scratches. We already know that they have the technology to do that. There are a million explanations. The simplest explanation is that, anyway, um, but at least we have established at this point that, yes, there are two Kirks. Finally, kids, maybe we should have worked this out, you know, eight minutes ago. Um, and we get to see, so we go back to uh, the, the the two unicorn dogs. Oh, unicorn dogs. And, uh, yeah. I actually wrote down in my notes, this is a very good dog. <laughs> it is such a good dog. And it's I bet the cast dog. really enjoyed all of the puppy cuddling involved in this filming of this That's episode. True. But meanwhile, I mean, the I landing like... party is getting cold. So cold. Mm-hmm. So cold. On the planet, it is cold. But they can't use the transporter because... This will happen. Okay. Alternate idea, which mm-hmm. again, I brought up before with Ari, we were yep. watching this because I was so angry I couldn't even... Like, why not just risk it those guys are dead anyways why not beam them back up to the shop up to the ship get the evil one and the good one put the evil one in the brig put the good one in like sick bay sick bay and then wait until you guys figure it out mm-hmm. i'm stopped yeah i mean they, they kind of try and save it later because it looks like being split will ultimately kill them yeah but, but slowly but you would still have more time to figure it out freezing to death on the planet freezing to death on the is that planet. the better decision this, this is one of the biggest problems I, th- I felt with this episode is that they just declared this is the only possible answer or this they is the only possible lot. explanation and ignore all the other going, stuff that suggests no, other there are avenues. a lot of other options and well, this is why we would be better Starfleet officers. True. According to, I think it was either the director or the writer, the B-plot was added much later. Oh my god, I read they, that too, and I was so angry. They did not want the B-plot, which is Sulu down on the planet. Well, the, I was, I was, yeah, I was going, like, there's a B-plot? <laughs> yeah, the, um, what's his name, Matheson. I'd call I it like an F-plot. The, the, the screenwriter for this one was yeah. Matheson, and he, he was interviewed, and he was like, I didn't want that in there, I don't like B-plots, I think they drag the story down. And I read this, and I'm like... If I drag the story down, you mean lend depth and actually make it interesting and give you a break when the A-plot is really fucking stupid. I definitely agree with you, sure. It added some levity. I guess it kind of forced their hand in that yeah. they couldn't sit around dithering about the situation yeah. of what they were going to do is that they had to make a decision at it, yeah. some point. But it, I don't added, like... it added the ticking clock and it added some actual peril. Yeah, because, some... I mean, in the grand scheme of things, the if they didn't have that B-plot, the only story that we have to care about is Kirk has been split into two parts and one of them Let's go to dick. the nearest starbase and they can fix the transporter and maybe yeah. Kirk dies, but that's it. That's yeah. the whole story. Yeah, but you can't have him die. No. I'm, but I, I, get, I get bored when television only has an A-plot. It's like, okay, but what about the connection to the rest of the world? Well, because, I mean, we've talked about this with There's Star Trek one before. Episode. With, which one was it? With Charlie Salt X. with the Salt yeah, Monster? Yeah, Salt Monster. I think it was the Salt Monster. It was and Charlie also, X did it, too. Also Charlie X, oh. which was just in, like, you it needed something. Weird. Yeah, it was it, true. Myopic is the word that I kept thinking of when I read that article. It was like, well, okay, but without the B-plot, this is a very small story. And also, I liked the Sulu bit. Oh god, I loved everything Sulu did in this episode. Sulu's amazing. Sulu was funny, he was sassy, he was like, good making strong officer. decisions. Mm-hmm. Like, the phasers the on the rocks. I thought that was very smart. Yeah. Well, I mean, aside from the fact that their survival skills were actually kind of crap, mm. because, like, they were sitting separately, they oh, were yeah. showing body heat, why are they you, were... Why aren't you cuddling for a while? Why aren't you guys in a like, they little have doggy had, They should have had, together. like, one of those phaser-heated rocks in the middle of them and have all four of them wrapped up in 
all of the blankets over their heads. I have read 10,000 fanfics that could explain every step necessary to save your lives. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, other than the fact that they had crap survival skills. And what was, were those, bed sheets? It was interesting. They were Parachutes? Like, no, Parachutes. it was the top of the tent that they were ah. using. So they had little tents set up where they were... So they wrap instead of going inside one a of cave. The tents. Instead of going inside a cave, that would oh have been God. a good idea. Yeah, or building yourself a shelter. I'm no Girl Scout, but well, especially there was one part where Scott or uh, Spock was on the ship, and he's like, "Sulu, initiate survival procedures," and I'm like, "You haven't done that already. Why You're the worst, you and to you be told deserve to, to die." <laughs> oh, jeez, Kim. I think given the fact that they had no survival gear, had not planned for this at all, they actually they did a should. Good job. They should plan for that. They really should. If plan you're on for a that. planet, you should plan that can to be kill you just there. by standing there. I would have taken gear down with minus forty nine, please. Anyways, so then like, Peril's Kirk is oh you, He's everyone on the ship go find me. It feels like he was getting like Alzheimer's or something. A little what? bit like Kirk. That. Like he couldn't remember. Things. He couldn't make decisions. Oh yeah, he was like he seemed like really like um he was like spacey and like wishy washy, flaky. Yeah. Well, he would forget things. Yeah. Simple things, which didn't make sense to me. And I like, want to get tell to this... them to put their phasers on stun. Or just like oh what did where did I put my pen? Like it was very strange. Because yeah. you need aggression to make decisions. Okay, we're going to get to that at the end, because that doesn't make any sense. Because apparently Good Kirk is supposed to have the intellect, but he's a moron. Oh, yeah. So, your evil is... Your... Focus? Maybe it's just all the testosterone. No, because it's supposed to be his pure evil side. Well, he doesn't, they don't actually say that. Yes, they, 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 call yes, it, they, they call it his animal side, it's his They call it his side. negative side. It's supposed couple, to be his but... aggression and his anger yeah. and his anti, all the antisocial, all of the... like the They the, say antisocial, yeah, yeah. the negative personality traits that you don't particularly want to have all the time, but do come in handy occasionally, like when you're calling the Chinese place because your order is super... <laughs> I was thinking of them as sort of like the active and passive sides of the person. But they're not. They're presented as evil and negative emotions. Yeah. But that doesn't make have any influence on why he can't make a simple decision. Well, yeah. he it's like he loses the ability to to he loses impetus. Like he he loses Yeah, but someone is telling him you need to just remind A him. or B. Which a is what ends up happening. Otherwise he just dithers. He tells Spock to remind him when he It felt like Good Kirk was the it wasn't you know it wasn't all his kindness and his it was just the the lack of aggression yeah yeah it was it, he wasn't defined by the positive traits he has but by the absence of the negative traits and i can kind of see how at least within the context of this narrative that would make like sense it's like if you don't have any aggression you also don't have do you remember that the, there's a, a a metaphor that that uh that quark uses once he's like if you don't have greed everyone just lies down and dies I don't remember that one, but I'm sure it's It's a very Ferengi sort of metaphor, but the idea being that the emotions we call negative are also the things that give us a push to actually continue living and make decisions and do things and take what we want. And that's how I think it actually looks, the way that it it plays out. Yeah, because part of what that feral Kirk is so angry about is, I'm the captain! 
captain and yeah. it is to be a captain yeah. you need to be ambitious and you need to be ruthless yep. because people aren't just given captaincy no you have to earn it you, you have to want it you yep. don't even have to earn it you have to want it mm-hmm. and you have to be willing to push people aside to do so it yeah. feels yeah. like and he's a, he's openly contemptuous of good Kirk because he thinks he's weak and useless and, and well he's right yes yeah. he is right he's well, very yeah. ineffectual and that's sort of one of the reasons like I didn't particularly enjoy good Kirk and I wasn't actually rooting for him because he was nothing there wasn't and that's the, that was I think one of my problems with the show is that mm. the absence of aggression didn't invoke more empathy or more mm. more kindness or anything like that. It was just simply the lack of decision making power, of willpower, and aggression and drive. Yeah, if it drive. Had, I think is a if really it good had been his it. inability to make a decision because he was too concerned about the lives of others. It's yeah. also that he couldn't pick what thing to focus on. Yeah, again, that doesn't make any sense. At least to me. Um, but I, I get if you're saying that it comes from his his focus, his pinpoint mm-hmm. animal focus, like when yeah. you see a wounded gazelle. Well, he refer, a good Kirk refers to the other one as um, a savage animal, I think. Yeah. Because they're both very disturbed by the existence of the other. They're like, um, they're both repulsed by each other. I think they still want to make out with each other. The one does not necessarily preclude the other. Mm. Um, but... Let's see. So they're um, and Spock. They're they're trying to tell the crew to look for him. And Spock says, "You can't tell them everything because." And here's where your, your oh, pinnacle of, of captaincy comes in. He says, "You can't afford to be seen as anything less than perfect. You, no, no, oh you don't God. have the luxury of right. being anything less than perfect. Yeah, then you will lose command." And then mm-hmm. I like wept tears of honor. <laughs> I love that. Then there's sad violin music. I thought that was so dumb. So while the captain the violin is making, music or not, that line? That line. Oh. I didn't like it. What? It was like the only thing keeping the crew's loyalty wasn't the chain of command. It wasn't respect for their captain. It was that they were being led by a strong commander. And that was the only thing. And there was absolutely no room to say, well, the captain has literally been injured in an accident. Can we cut him some slack for 45 minutes while we fix it? Well, I think the important thing to note here is... It was just like, no, you're weak, you're out of command, and the jackals are coming after you. It's not that the jackals are coming after in the form of, like, Spock definitely wants that guy's job so hard. But that they are in a scary, scary box... In the middle of scary, scary space. With very little support. With no support from the outside world, away from any planet and anything they have ever known. Think about you're in a ship in the middle of a Pacific where you still believe that witches control weather. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, they don't? (laughs) Damn it! (laughs) I think we didn't kill Mrs. Catskills for nothing then! Um... And that the only thing that really binds you together, that keeps order on the ship, is that chain of command and the belief in the, the chain of command. It's the only thing that command. keeps you alive. It's the only thing that keeps you alive. It's a very... That you have to believe that the captain is a thing. And if the captain... The captain represents the body of the whole. So if you think about the captain like a monarch. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I get where you're going with this, yeah. and I understand it, makes, it. I just still don't like it. On a it. human level, it's incredibly douchey. I agree. Yeah. But on, on a command level, like in this construct, in this cultural construct, I understand it. I love it. Yeah. Um, while they're making this announcement, and it's Kirk basically making an everywhere in the ship, every video screen turns on video announcement and kind of thing. Hey, hey, Captain you get Kirk to see here. You see evil Kirk in 
someone's quarters. Well, a woman, I assume. It was Rand. Was it Rand's quarters? Yeah, he just hung out there. How is that not a there? crime scene? Anyway, because um, it's the he's 1960s. watching this. Where he's watching like this announcement, and he turns into asshole cat, and he starts knocking things off. <laughs> <laughs> He's like he's looking at the screen. He grins this little grin, and then he holds his hand and just sort of knocks an entire line of books off the shelf. And I'm like, oh, okay. But he is still a master of cover-up makeup. and getting even sweatier. Yeah, yeah. because he getting even sweatier because uh, the announcement's like you'll know the imposter because he has scratches on his face. And he goes over to the vanity and see. Here's my problem: is that they keep saying that like Peril Kirk is the one who has the intellect, who has the smarts, and yet I'd say Evil Kirk is fairly cunning. Evil Kirk, yeah. but everything in this deal. Yeah. Everything! Except the gene that makes him not a jerk. It's like the gene that makes dogs dogs instead of wolves. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, and this, like, and I, okay, so this next bit drove me up the wall because you've just oh, had God. an announcement that we're looking for the captain. Please, like, catch him at whatever you're doing. And Kirk, evil Kirk here, kind of sticks his head out and goes, hey, crewman, can I have your gun? I've got him. And the guy's just like, Okay. That's, sure, Captain. That's Wilson. That's Wilson. Oh. I, was he the trans? He was the transporter. I think so. Yeah. He, oh, Yoki doke. Sure, Captain. Oh my God! Like, you did you even so dumb. see the announcement? He should really be fired. Um. Then they have a conversation between I think it's Kirk and Spock or Kirk and Spock and Bones. Um, and they're basically like, okay, if it were you, we we have to we have to think like you would think. Because he oh. still has the memory of how he would act. I wrote down WWKD. What would Kirk do? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently you go to engineering? He says, I go to the lowest levels of the ship in the engineering uh, sections. And engineer- I want to point out here that Evil Kirk is way better at sneaking than regular both sides. Evil Kirk is amazing He's at parkour so... and shimmy. Yeah, way better than... Like, yeah. We've said this multiple times now. Evil Kirk got all the skills. It's very it's true. true. And Spock is like, oh, should we send a security team? And Peril <laughs> Kirk mm-hmm. is like, no, I don't want them to see me. Yeah. Oh my well, god! Again, well, this goes back into your thing that he about has Alzheimer's. No, the <sighs> idea that the, the 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 appearance of the captain's yes, position is more important than that's true. And I think maybe that if they saw Evil Kirk, that they wouldn't be able to respect him again because every time that they saw him, they would think of Evil Kirk, and he doesn't want his evil side out there being all evil. Although poor Flip and Ram, yeah. Um. So he good Kirk corners Evil Kirk. No, yeah. uh, <laughs> this was like the most good. Kirk tries to talk him down. <laughs> Awkwardly shot chase scene oh, I've ever seen. I and he says, it. "Come on, you can't kill me." Good Kirk says. <laughs> I wrote, and I wrote, "Can't he?" <laughs> <laughs> He's got a phaser. It's pointed right at you. Which, by the way, is not set on stun. No, which we as know we because see, he blows because a giant hole in the wall. He jumped. He again. Evil Kirk gets shit done because yep. not only does he blow a giant hole in the wall, he ju- blows a giant hole the through tr- the tr- transporter, transporter circuit. Yeah. yeah, so disabling the transporter. Yeah, and well then, done, Evil Kirk. And then we have there are two points of order here that I mm. need to talk about. First off, how that body double is not like anything. <laughs> not even like, not, like does not have the same hair color. Is visibly taller than he's him. got gray too. Bro- he's got a gray broader in the shoulders. Oh yeah, way bigger. That was like much beefier. Did so they that, just that open part. the door and go. Oh, we need a body double about this height. Yeah. Are no. you a man? <laughs> okay, so that was point number one. <laughs> point number two was there was one point where Good Kirk said to Evil Kirk, "You need me, and I need you." And I wrote, "Oh, is there any Kirk on Kirk fake going on here?" I guarantee you there is. Is there so? Isn't there a part 
it might be an Oglaf comic or the Time Traveler's Wife where like future self meets present day self and the first thing that they do is have sex <laughs> with themselves. Yeah. 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 I felt like that would definitely happen. Okay. With Kirk? Sure. Now we can move on. Okay. Well, at the end of this scene, um, he blows up the wall. And, okay, so I think it was maybe the previous episode where we see the first, we say we, we say we saw the first Vulcan nerve pinch. But in writing order, this is actually the first official appearance of the Vulcan nerve pinch. And apparently in the original version of the script, it was just written that Spock, and I'm making air quotes here, KO'd Evil Kirk, which I assume is meant like punches him. I would have paid money to see that. That yeah. would have been amazing. But Leonard Nimoy argued, he said, that does not make sense for this character. And he basically, on the day of shooting, demonstrated this cool thing he'd come up with on William Shatner. And William Shatner was like, that's amazing. We should totally do that. And the director agreed. Leonard and then we got the Nimoy, Vulcan Nerve Amazing. Yeah. Uh, Leonard Nimoy single-handedly maybe. invented the Vulcan. Mm-hmm. And no one's like, oh, gee. Maybe we should have noticed that they were different because they were wearing different outfits. That would have been a dead giveaway for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when they have them up, when they have, they take Evil Kirk to sickbay, and they have him there, uh, Bones was super keen to tie him up. Mm-hmm. Bind mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Yes. He was just like, let's tie that shit down right yes. now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> mm. So yeah, this is where they have the conversation. It's good versus evil. It's hostility, lust, and violence versus compassion, love, and tenderness. But again, I just don't see it. And I think it's interesting because Spock, I think in this conversation or a later one, is like, that is me. Except my evil, crappy side is just humanity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and humanity the, sucks. Humanity is the worst, and I have to repress that in order to express my, my better, purer form of self. My better self. Yeah, which I thought was... I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I think it's a very shaky comparison. But yes, I, it's I, a terrible comparison. Yeah, it's an awful comparison. It's a terrible comparison, but it's like, it's... I, I, I can never decide if Spock genuinely thinks that this is the same or if he's just this is the best example I could come up with talk him into it because otherwise we're extremely screwed I get what the writers were going for with the comparison but the way they wrote good Kirk he wasn't like love and compassion and tenderness he was indecisiveness and wibbly ineffectualness Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um and uh, let's see we have (laughs) yeah if I seem insensitive to what you're going through, understand it's the way I am. I love that. I can see why all the ladies swooned for his Yeah. Book. I really see it. Like, this part's like, oh, constantly fighting against himself. And in the previous episode where we find out that he really is, like, an emotional cinnamon bun. Yeah. Underside a, underneath, like, a platinum-dipped mm-hmm. cinnamon bun. <laughs> uh, so then uh, we get to mention that, so that hole that Evil Kurt blew in the wall... <laughs> Uh, I think that's purpose. Oh, well, I assume so. He's still very uh, smart. Evil Kirk. Uh, totally broken now. We can't beam him up. Uh, we probably can't fix it. And I think this is where when you and I were watching it, we're like, you don't have any fucking spare parts on this ship? Yeah, there's no redundancy on your transporter. The only way, apparently, that you can got, go on and off of a planet. Yeah. You do not have a secondary system or, like, a spare... A redundancy of some port. kind. Yeah. That you could just 
There's not like fix. more than one transporter. There's not a backup transporter. There's no backup redundancy systems on mm-hmm. different parts of the ship. Yeah. And well, we're, we haven't. Sorry. I was to say it just again. It sort of strikes me again when you compare to the Enterprise. And I mean, I know Enterprise is supposed to be a much bigger ship, but they've got like multiple transporter rooms plus cargo transporters plus plus. And there's all these there's backups, there's case. redundancies, there's you know shuttlecraft. And, but do they have a bowling alley? Probably. The they Enterprise, never mention it. The Enterprise D is so much bigger, though. I'm sure that they have bowling alley. They also have holodecks. They don't need bowling alley. Mm-hmm. Um, we we sort of go back to them on the planet, and I, at this point, we're sort of like we haven't actually told the uh, landing party, the stranded landing party, that we can't beam them up. But I think they're starting to figure it out. Um, and here I wrote, they "Don't do they? No, they never actually." Oh my do. god! And here I wrote, "Sulu is sassing at a high level." <laughs> he is. They have no idea why they're stuck there. Yeah, no. they just oh think they're being no. dicks. Oh my god. All, they, all they've been told is that the transporter isn't working correctly. Hold tight. Yeah. yeah. We'll yeah. get around to it eventually. Oh and, and this is where their shit survival skills become evident. <laughs> yeah, because they're sort of spread out. They're not, like, together or anything. They're sort of, like, strewn along a ridge. Not, it's just the saddest thing ever. Yeah, they should be making out. I learned that from an episode of Taxi at a young age. The best way to keep warm in a snowstorm is to have sex with each other. I think that the character was just using that. I was going to say 10,000 fanfics. Yeah. Um, and this is where it looks like, um, because we get Evil Kirk is dropped down to a bio bed and <laughs> his vitals are failing, basically. So the, imp- the impression we get from Bones is that they can't survive like this. So we need to do something. I mean, apparently, no, no, you no, know, no. If, if saving the, the frozen landing party isn't enough reason to get the hell on with this. Evil Kirk is dying, and without Evil Kirk, he can't command. But the important thing is, is that good Kirk essentially wills him. By will, holding hands. By holding hands. I mean, you have to live. One Don't of be only, afraid. One of only so two afraid. uses a split screen in the episode. The other one Which is, is in engineering somewhere. Redonkulous. <laughs> I wrote in my notes here, Kirk needs Kirk inside him. <laughs> <laughs> it is not true. But here's the thing. He's like, don't be afraid. I'll be with you. I'll never let you go. And then as soon as he regains his strength and shuts his eyes, Kirk immediately drops it. <laughs> and then there's a long discussion. There are so many long discussions about the dark side is humanity. It makes you the man you are. You need your negative side inside of you. <laughs> um, the, the strength of command is tied up in your evil side, and Spock is fascinated. And Bones is like, we're all good and bad. That's how human beings are. Um, I really like the conversation that Kirk and McCoy had. About how there's all darkness inside of us. Yeah. yeah. And that's not necessarily yeah. a bad thing. It's just human. Except you get to see yours, and he <laughs> yeah. he, he got the drop on you. Yeah. yeah. Real hard. Um, okay, but... I am going to take a slight detour from this okay. before we get back to the wrap-up, which is frankly ridiculous, is that can you see the same thing happening to other captains? This getting split in half? Oh. Like, does... Janeway, they... yes, for sure. Janeway is her negative side. I yeah. know. I know. The like she... evil Janeway would be way worse than evil Kirk. Do we get to see an evil Janeway at any point? I don't know. I don't we think get we get s- like a purely evil Janeway. We get um we get sassy French resistance Janeway. Oh yeah. We get Year of Hell Janeway, who's a stone cold bitch. <laughs> Uh, we see the, the, the false historical recreation version of Janeway on that alien planet. Oh, that's right. Where the she's, copy of the Doctor is left behind. She's pretty awful, too. She's pretty, she was a straight-up monster. But I feel like if we're looking at how Kirk is divided, mm-hmm. that Janeway essentially is Janeway is integrated. Kirk. Yeah, she is. But she, yeah. If we think, if we put certain things aside... 
that it's the ambition, it's the possessiveness, it's the focus, the quickness to violence, the quickness to violence, the this is my way or the highway. Yeah. And I mean, but though at some point Janeway is tempered by her compassion and her love and friendship. But only within very narrow Mm -hmm. groups. She cares about her people. She doesn't really care about anybody well, else. She could give two tosses about other people. That's because yeah. she set herself a mission. She was like, this is my crew. We are getting home. And she does sets out to achieve that at whatever means she needs to achieve yeah. it. Yeah, true. But, uh, but that is, again, that is tempered by her compassion for her crew and her love for them and friendship and, re- like, logical reason coming from her background as a scientist and from Tuvok. So, I don't, yeah, but, yeah, no, Janeway is absolutely the one I can see this happening to now, the most. Now, Picard. Picard... Actually, yes, and I can picture it extremely clearly. Because evil Picard would just be cold logic. Well, that's maybe what he is when he is... I keep wanting to call yeah, him but... Luciano, but mm-hmm. I know that's not his Lucutus. bar name. No. Um, I think, for me, I think the division in Picard comes between who we see him as, is as a captain and who we find out he is as a young man, and that he's yeah. very foolhardy. And he makes bad and rash decisions because I mean he he you know and that he's been stabbed through the heart yeah because he yeah. did something fucking stupid subtle metaphor right mm-hmm. so that for me is where where Picard would be divided was between the calm logic rational and like rash brash yeah he would be his younger self yeah and. Yeah. A much colder version of his regular self. I can't remember if it was us talking Jane, about this or just some. That really brings me back to it. Where does Janeway divide? I don't know if she does. I don't think you can I split Janeway. She's very well integrated. I think maybe she would just die in the transporter accident. <laughs> <laughs> she cannot be divided. But Picard, I can't remember if it was us, this was us talking about it or it was something I read somewhere that that Kirk and Picard have opposite trajectories from young man yes. to adult. That. Young Picard is, you know, young Picard is brash and arrogant. He's a and, French and musketeer, yeah. Who becomes the professor, whereas Kirk is the professor who, who becomes, becomes the, the musketeer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Cisco, yeah, really easily, and I think it would be a nice even split down the middle because we see both extremes of Cisco often. Oh, yeah, he absolutely. swings back and forth like a pendulum. Absolutely, he is like when you see him as a father, as a husband, as a religious leader. He is compassionate, he is caring, he is loving. But when you get him into a corner, he can be aggressive, he can Ruthless. be devious. Like, oh. there's, an, there's an entire episode of Deep Space Nine, and it's oh. one of the best, and I'm so excited for you I to see it. Light. Uh, yeah, where he basically narrates the entire, this entire episode, and he was like, you know, and then you get to the end, and he's like, and you know what? It was a fucking lie, and I would do it again. Yeah. And he basically, you find out how he manipulated an entire group of people into doing what he wanted and he's like I don't even care I would do it again and that's that's he's yeah. he's, he's between caring compassionate loving father husband to ruthless extreme leader. softy and ruthless yeah because yeah. Cisco is I tend to think of Cisco as the most regular person of all of the captains because he does swing between extremes like most people do the other captains tend to be very control very integrated very careful about the way they present themselves Cisco really doesn't except for very rare ex- examples most of the time Cisco is sort of like he doesn't he doesn't ruthlessly lock down his moods does he have the same captain's persona like Picard I think has a very interesting divide between his public life and his private life because when we see him when he's like 
relaxed Picard in his well, shorty short short shorts on vacation. He's different. I think it's a sorry. I was gonna say I think Cisco grows into it. Yeah, because the series. Because when you start off, he's a commander yeah. who was working. He was working at, like when the series starts, he's working at Utopia Planitia shipyards doing something administrative. Yeah. And he's reassigned to this, and he ends up being basically the leader of the most important quadrant and strategic position. He grow, you see him grow into being. Well, I'm here because I have to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To I am the captain, and I am leading this war. He doesn't choose to become a captain. He doesn't choose the position of captain, and he doesn't enter into a predefined role like the other captains do. They chose to become starship captains, or base captains or whatever but cisco shows up he thinks it's going to be temporary yeah um he thinks he's going to keep himself separate from people because ships captains they generally don't become captains of ships they served on before for exactly that reason you want to you want people to you know to believe in you but you don't want to be that close because it can affect your ability to command them Mm, um, effectively but cisco shows up and he has absolutely no reason to form those distances between himself and other people except that in the first place he's really really emotionally traumatized at the beginning of the series um so he he shows up he's not a captain for one thing and for another thing he gets put in an incredibly fraught social political situation where he has no choice but to form relationships with people so yeah i think it would be a solid even split between in the pale moonlight cisco yeah except way punchier and squishy dad loves puppies cisco yeah yeah and I mean, if you want to go over the last captain that we have, Archer. The captain who shall not be named. Yeah, I think the split you get is between computer and <laughs> guy who likes his dog. And that is basically... Uh, like, Archer, his love for his dog is his best characteristic, but Archer is... I, now I'm, I'm He's picturing... one of my least favorite Star Trek characters, because he's not well-defined, and I don't feel like he's fleshed out, and he just talks in a robotic monotone the entire time, so... Now I'm, now I'm picturing mm. an example episode of, of Archer split in a transporter accident, and, like, evil laser-eye robot Archer, like, laying waste to a planet, and then good Archer is, like, just sitting in his quarters, who's a good dog? Who's a good dog? Who's a good dog? For, like... 42 minutes. Yeah, that's basically what I'm picturing. And done. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they, they, yeah, yeah, essentially yeah. the animal, they try to, like, they degree To poke, reintegrate it. And it doesn't work because the dog apparently couldn't... It died of shock. It couldn't process its own emotions because it's only a little puppy, which is ridiculous. And here's why I wrote, this explanation. poor unicorn puppy, it wasn't your fault. Also, one of those is clearly a stuffed animal. Oh yeah, especially later when they wrap it up to take it off for autopsy. Yes. yes. And may I just point out that we got, he's dead, Jim. Oh, yeah, Very first time. Yes. And it was like, it's classic, and I loved it. And it's yep. clearly a stuffed animal. Yeah. He's dead, Jim. Loved it. Ella, Ella. I also love that and also like what you can get away with on a show if your actors are very committed to what they are saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that was ridiculous, but it was very done. Um so essentially Spock's like you have to logic your way through this, Kirk, and believe in yourself and you could achieve yeah. Spock basically just says, Let's power through. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Bones is like, or we could do an autopsy and see what actually killed him. And Spock is like, no, 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 no. no. It was just shock. It was just shock. Let's Let's just do it. Let's just throw yourself in that machine because I want a promotion. Yeah. Basically. (laughs) And even even at this juncture, Kirk cannot make, good Kirk cannot make a decision. Someone tell me what to do. 
this. Thinking is so hard. That's true. And then there's there's the bit, this is the bit where Spock's like, oh, this is like me. I, I have to logic my two things, my two halves Being together. split in two is not a theory with me. No! And I'm like, that's very different things. One of them is biologically you have different parentage, and the other is you, one person, was split in two. Yeah. <laughs> Into two separate beings that you are going to mash together uh, at which point I have underlined 15 times nonsense (laughs) (laughs) so they uh, resolve to try it anyway because fuck it let's go and even though Spock's like are you relinquishing command are you uh, relinquishing command yet Uh, still in command why does he get to ask like what no i mean like why is why is he asking Kirk? he's clearly unfit for command at this point there are other points in the series where this happens yes but um, it's just where they're constantly asking hey kirk are you ready to give up being captain yet it's (laughs) apparently you can't go back to being captain once you've given it up it's like having chicken pox um but this part where um (laughs) He Kirk actually grabs his head because he's just so confused. Oh, I loved it. But they go off to set up the transporter to try this and possibly kill him because they think they've um, maybe got it working. Sulu calls because they're cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is actually where I wrote maybe on Ice Planet we could huddle together. Yeah. Also, <laughs> no homo. No homo. <laughs> okay. Also, no hypothermia. Yeah. Why are you guys not like stripping your clothes off and dancing in the snow or just huddling under like the nine blankets you have and you're just keeping to your they're not blankets they're like like strips of plastic that they had anyhow not important they they should all be naked is what I'm trying to say (laughs) now here's the thing I another inexplicable choice because uh, Bones and Spock both leave the room to like get the transporter ready I don't know what Bones has to do with oh, that guys. no he goes off to do the autopsy guys um, and Kirk is left to unstrap his evil double and take <laughs> him to the transporter room and evil double says I can't mm. talk you out of it and Kirk says no and evil double goes okay wait till so he unstraps him and then attacks him and runs away because of course he does why why, why are we leave them alone him? together this one can't make decisions and this one is evil this one is pure evil. Can't you see where this is going? So At which dumb. point, evil Kirk goes and gets shit done. He's like, <laughs> okay, everyone, and we're out of here. He steals good Kirk's shirt. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so they are wearing the same tunic. Oh, yeah. Wait, okay. He stole his shirt. Where did no, another Kirk get another shirt? He finds another shirt. I assume there's a uniform He just strips somewhere. it off of someone. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, and here we get the, this is the very best. Oh. I wrote LOLOL makeup and lighting. And I think this is like it's the second he steps onto the bridge, we get Evil Kirk steps on the bridge. We know it's Evil Kirk because he's all sweaty. And also and the around. lighting. Yeah, we get yeah. this super close up shadows from nowhere. Yes. Even more eyeliner. And then and sort of like <laughs> yes, just so that we know which but Kirk it is. The best part is is that he like pops into the captain's chair. It's like, all right, everyone, warp fifteen out of here. They're like, what about those people? Oh, they're dead anyway. <laughs> Can't Which, be saved. Frankly, I dug it. Kirk, <laughs> yeah. so mean to Sulu. Well, Although, really, with his shit survival skills, he kind of deserved to die. I'm sorry. Yeah, if he really wanted to survive, he would have. Um, <laughs> at which point, good Kirk comes on and is all like, "Oh, and Spock, they sort of burst Kirk, onto the bridge. We can't do this. Oh, yeah, we get this sort of way? we get this sort of showdown because good Kirk and Spock walk onto the bridge. Oh, no, I'm, the the I'm the captain. I'm the captain. Mine, mine, mine. I'll kill 
you. Good Kirk and Bones. And the, crap out of the me. bridge crew is really confused. I have why? no idea why. Why? One yeah. of them is clearly evil. Yeah. <laughs> Look at him. Look at the lighting. Look how much he is sweating. Can't you see the eyeliner? He only gets close-ups. Come on, people. <laughs> um, and in the end, they solve it with hugging. <gasps> oh, yes. The very tender embrace of Kirk hugging Kirk, except that was definitely Clearly a body double who is notably taller and has darker hair than him. And was broader in the shoulder. And was broader in the shoulder. There are too many Kirks in this bar. Yeah. Too many Kirks. Too many too Kirks. Many. And then he sort of takes him to the transporter room, and they load them together on the pad. And Kirk says something I'm not really sure about. He says it to Spock while he's holding up his evil double. He says, if this doesn't work, and Spock says, understood. Oh, it's that Spock will take over, and Spock yeah. will finally get the promotion that he's been gutting for for the past 45 minutes. Okay, but what about the people on the planet? They're dead. Yeah, fuck them. Jeez. Evil <laughs> Kirk already made that decision, we know he's the <laughs> one who can make decisions here. <laughs> and it was the right decision. So anyways, of course it works, and they exchange, like, loving glances, and then they beam up the cold people. Okay, they beam up the freezing cold people who are like there's a sulucicle and there's a like red shirtsicle, <laughs> a red shirtsicle, and McCoy, who is the head medical chief officer, guy's like ah they'll live, and instead <laughs> of going to take a look at them and helping them like unfreeze, sits and has a chat to chat with Kirk, who's perfectly fine. He's like, oh, yeah, well, I'm sure they'll be all right. Oh my god, and they're wheeled past him. It's a good thing there are other medical staff. Yeah. <sighs> Should I pass on the thank you to the crew? No. <laughs> and then, to cap this all shot is that Spock is talking to Yeoman Rand, and she's like, oh, well, oh, well uh, oh, thank God. And Spock is like, well, the imposter had some interesting qualities, oh. didn't he? Like no. being a rapist? Yeah. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And Yeah. It was like he basically ended with, wasn't the, wasn't the evil one hot rant? Yeah. Like, girl talk, girl talk. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, the 60s. It was awful. Oh, yeah. And that was supposed to be, like, humorous. It was supposed to be funny. Wasn't the yeah. part where he attacked you kind of hot? Like, no! Poor Wacky Rand. hijinks. Oh, poor Rand. Poor, poor Rand. It is a really... That scene is really graphic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really scary. Yeah. yeah. It's very scary. Um, Which makes it all the weirder to end on that note. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like you, you've successfully, at least narratively, risen above this. You, you've triumphed. Why would you drag it back down? Yeah, it's it's a like weird... let's never. Why are we speaking with this again? I don't why understand. No. So I have a couple of uh, things. Uh, although Nichelle Nichols is not in this episode, her voice does yes. appear over the intercom yes. several times. And Spock, in the log entry that he makes, refers to himself as the second officer. But every time after this, when he refers to himself or is referred to by other people, he's the first officer. So it took them a while to figure that out. <clears throat> in the same episode? No, later on. Oh, okay. But after this episode, he's he, he the got first a promotion, officer. or they just hadn't worked out the, the ranks the yet. The drunk frat boy doctor is gone, so now Spock's oh, first yeah. officer. Yeah. Terrible. Um. So, best performance of the episode, Kim. Um, I'm going to go with I've completely forgotten her name. The actress who plays Rand. 
a I loved her. She was Grace Lee Whitney. Grace Lee Whitney, yes, that's correct. Her um her performance was very good and it was very scary. Like that entire situation was very scary. Um yeah, I'm going with her cuz she's I love her. Is this the last episode that she appears in? I don't oh, know. Oh, God, I hope not. She I... only got six episodes. Really? I this think she was hired. This doesn't make six. She has to have a couple more, at least. She was hired for a couple more, and then when they let her go from the show, they just wrote her out. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. But yeah, she's my performance of the episode. Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to give it uh, to Shatner. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> yes! He was clearly pulling out all of his Shakespearean background stops for this episode and enjoying it to the hilt. You want to guess who my Shatner? Shatner! <laughs> I loved him. The eyeliner, the eyeballs. The... <sighs> <sighs> I loved it. That was either the evil Kirk impression or her doing impression of the dog. <laughs> I'm sure that's where Shatner was getting his inspiration from. <laughs> I loved him! Leaping, bounding, drinking down hallways! <laughs> Apparently no open carry laws in space. In space. Uh, yeah, I loved him. <laughs> I mean, I always love him, but I felt like this time he was really acting. <laughs> he acted all over that shit. He was acting with jazz hands. Actually, I was picturing that, uh, that, that Patrick Stewart gif. You thought I was asleep, didn't you? Acting. <laughs> I don't think William Shatner has ever had that much gravitas. <laughs> no. And I mean that in a really loving way. Yeah. Definitely loving. <laughs> uh, life lessons learned, Kim. Um, oh, God. Life lesson. If you get into a transporter accident, tell people that you have an evil doppelganger and don't just vaguely hint at it and hope people catch on. Uh, this is a straight up tech support true and real life thing always pay attention to error messages <laughs> because they might just be this program has stopped working but they might be your transporter has split your captain into a good <laughs> and evil half and maybe you should uh, look at that before you beam anybody else up if it is flashing red yeah <laughs> and going pew like, would you ignore your check engine light? Well, you might, but you really I would. shouldn't. <laughs> I really would. Would and have. <laughs> um, my thing is, is that uh, Scotty should be fired. <laughs> Scotty should be fired twice. Uh, once for the... Ignoring the error noise. Ignoring the error noise. And the second for going, ah, fuck it, just being the captain of <laughs> Yeah. It's not like he's important or anything. I feel like that's the same, like, two mistakes compounded to form a larger, more impressive mistake uh, that basically causes the entire chain of events that follow. Just chance it. Yeah. It'll be fine. We'll check it later. Yeah. Okay, so deep philosophical question from this episode. So, is Kirk, as captain the most human of the humans or is he inhuman because he is the captain huh oh Kim knows I know what you're going going down the path I will always refer back to Hilary Mantel's uh, 
essay that she wrote about royal bodies because that is one of my favorite topics of all time so when a body isn't a body it belongs to the people it's a thing Mm -hmm. that we hang our expectations on and we feel a sense of ownership too and in many ways like the captains like the monarch and spock often says like i think the reason why they get along for kirk is that he sees spock is an alien he is the other and i think kirk often feels when he's surrounded by other people on the ship that he is the other two he's not of them yeah um i i agree i think that's how they were trying to set this up in the episode is that kirk as the captain must be the infallible symbol that is incorruptible and pure blah 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 um and that him not being able to be human really weighs on him in this episode especially good kirk um, I don't think that's the way it should work, <laughs> but I think that's what they were going for in this, that mm. he, I mean, you were right when you talked about it before, he is the captain, he is the symbol of leadership, and what is holding everything, what everybody revolves around as the symbol, and no, he can't be human mm-hmm. when he is that, and that was sort of the point of this episode at some point. Yeah, that was definitely what they they thought they were doing. Um, like representing the captain and the mm-hmm. reason they couldn't tell people what was going on that that, that was why that he had to remain um, incorruptible incorruptible, or at least appear to be incorruptible to be infallible but I, I think they also wanted to sort of transpose that conflict that, 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 that binary onto good Kirk and evil Kirk and I do not think they did a very good job of that no no, it didn't make sense. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a close enough analog. It did not. It no. did not connect. So, are we supposed to understand then that, like Kirk himself, is superhuman, or is he denying the human part of himself? Are we supposed to understand that the evil part is the human part? No, no, no. I think that Kirk, Kirk is human and fallible, but that in trying to inhabit the role of the symbol. He has to hold himself above uh, to higher standards than he has to have your control average, over yeah, than your average crewman. Yeah. And that, that has come up in a couple of episodes where he would love to have a relationship with Yeoman Rand, but yeah. he, he can't mm. because she is a Yeoman because he is a captain. Yeah, and I think that sometimes we see that that conflict play out in other parts of Star Trek. I think of Janeway and Chakotay. Yes. Although she was obviously not into him. Oh, and Kim, was, I will uh, fight you. We will fight this. this. There will be many, many a duel over this. That's but true. yeah, no, she she doesn't she basically she doesn't sleep with him, even though he's like, Hey lady, I like you a lot and she's like, well, We're gonna die in I'm space. The yeah. And I can't. Does she feel the conflict though? Because I don't I think she, I feel like she's the most like Kirk in the way that she may have passing things, but she we see embraces her, the role. Of yeah, the but captain. we also see yeah. her visibly strongly conflicted on at least two occasions that I can think of. There, there, there's a section of episodes where they get very close to each other, and they're very, they're very much friends. They spend time, you know, they're in the holodeck together, and they're walking arm in arm, and he's able to give her like a flower in front of everybody, and there is at least <laughs> there is at least one episode in the series. Where I am absolutely convinced, 100%, there is no way, other way to interpret it than that they have sex. Granted, it doesn't take place when they're on the ship, and granted, they're also not in, inside the command structure when they do it, but I think that's the only way they think she they was lost. able to, yeah, she was able to do that. But I think it is a part of part of the character of Janeway. Um, she makes a decision. Yeah, she, she makes a decision. And it's basically because Kate Mulgrew made the decision. 
<laughs> Whereas I, there, no, there is a point where I do think that Jamie Lee actually wrestles with whether or not she should oh, yeah. get into a relationship with Chikorsky. Especially early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think is weird because Picard, I don't think, ever has the same conflict. And he does enter in relationships, kind of. There are... But with I'm Beverly is the one that he doesn't. But I think she, if I remember correctly, yeah. she shuts that down. I don't re- see. I don't remember. That was exact- always so vague. Yeah, I don't remember the exact circumstances. But he has a very long, drawn out, awkward flirtation, emotions awkward feeling. Flirtation. Yeah, with Beverly, there is. He does hook up with a couple of random women who I think aren't part of the crew. But there is one episode in the later seasons where he starts getting into a relationship with like the new head of astrometrics or something. Mm, so something she, like that, yeah. He she he like stumbles across her in a Jeffrey's tube playing a piano and she's like, I'm here because it's got good acoustics and they end up having like a thing and I don't actually remember how it goes these days. I think it's not a great episode, so I don't remember it very well. Um but like you'd see him occasionally but usually it's people outside of the command structure. He's never also, hitting on his ensign. It's 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 also that um, well, I mean, in the case of I can't remember her name, but but her uh, the piano she's, player, yeah, she's she's not in the command trucks, so there's I think there's some like regulatory loopholes, but also next gen and onward take place in a very different world in terms of Starfleet and how safe things are, and I imagine very possibly the fraternization rules are looser um, because a the ship is larger, and b you're, not every single thing you do is life and death. So cracking the shell of the captain is not actually going to kill you all instantly. So I think there's more leeway for Picard and those who come after him than there is for Kirk. So. Yeah. Also, every time Kirk gets some, someone dies. So. Oh, that's true. Ooh. Poor Kirk. Kirk, Poor Kirk. Kirk does not get a lot of action. Contrary to popular belief, he does not get much action. He really action, doesn't. <laughs> Poor Kirk. The most action you got was Kirk on Kirk action. <laughs> <laughs> Kirk on Kirk action. Kirk on Kirk. I'm going to need to go look up some Kirk on Kirk action fic. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that, that is the end of uh, The Tale of Two Kirks. Um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah, very subtle. Yeah, super very subtle. Very subtle. Oh, to the point that evil subtle. Kirk also got bigger than regular Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to choose I'm gonna choose to think that was a directorial choice. Sure, sure. <laughs> Anyways, um... Yeah, signing off, start eight, personal log, eight, fifteen. <laughs> Who's narrating this? I mean, I'm in the past, I'm in the present, I'm in the future. Hello, goodbye. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.